Welcome to Focused, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm Mike Schmitz, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. David Sparks. Hello, David. Hello, Mike. Welcome to episode 99. Yeah, thanks. You too. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Um, We've got a great show today, but before we get started, this is episode 99, which means our next episode is episode 100, and we've got a couple of special things planned for that episode. One of which is questions and thoughts about focus from the listeners and maybe a little story about your journey or questions you have. Um, If you do have such question, please send it in to us. Uh, We're going to have a thread in the forums for this over at talk.macpowers.com in the focus forum. But you can also just email it to us at the uh, contact email at the relay.fm website. Yep. If you go to the focus page, you can just click the button for the contact form that'll go to David and myself and want to say thank you to the people who have submitted something already and to everybody else who is thinking about submitting questions or stories or whatever. uh, Please do that soon because we want to compile all of those and work them into the episode 100 outline before we record it. All right, let's get started. All right. Welcome to the show, Dave Kahlo. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's the month of Dave's. The month of Dave's. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to keep your uh, current tradition of Dave's going. Yeah, we're going to really, <laughs> we're gonna have to really work on that for the next episode, Mike. Yep. <laughs> for sure. Maybe David Lee Roth. Oh, yeah, why not? Maybe he's very focused. <laughs> I'm not sure, though. I'm not, I'm not certain of that. Yeah, I wouldn't bet the house. Yeah. Well, the uh, uh, Dave Callow. Dave, did I pronounce your name right? Callow? Kalo. Yeah, Kalo. It's got Kalo. sort of Americanized over the generations. Yeah, because it's got A and then O. So every time I have you on a show, I screw up your last name. Dave Kalo is here. And uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave and I have known each other for a very long time. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, the reason he's unfocused is uh, this is a focused guy. You know, you've been writing in the Mac space, but you're doing a whole bunch of other stuff now. And um, you also have a podcast about working from home, which we want to talk about today. And just welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks. It's uh, it's great to be hanging out with you guys again. Like I, like you said, Dave, I've known you for a long time, and um, I've had the pleasure of meeting you in person. Mike, we and I have known each other for a long time, but I don't think we've ever met in person. No, we have not. I've uh, done some projects with you in the past, and I've been a guest on the Homework podcast, which you recently rebooted. We're going to talk about that mm-hmm. in a little bit, but we have not met in person. I was hoping to get out to New England and show up at the reboot game labs some sometime but uh that's probably not happening in the current state of things but you've kind of made some shifts with that too we're going to talk about that a little bit later and yep. uh, you're doing some cool stuff online with that so i have this memory of dave and i sitting on the second floor at MacWorld one year at one of those little tables with our laptops next to each other trading omnifocus tips and i'm like this is my <laughs> kind of nerd that's what i remember yeah i remember i had a pestering question that was something about mail and OmniFocus not behaving the way I wanted to together. And you just said, oh, look, this, 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 this. And it worked. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's great. I had to fly all the way to California to get that answer, but it was so worth it. <laughs> it's all it took. It's all it took. Dave, I want to talk to you about focus. Uh, before I do, uh, one pitch for our fellow uh, Relay host, uh, CGP Gray put out a great video. We're going to put it in the um, in the show notes, the Spaceship U uh, did you get a chance to take a look at that, Mike? I did. I love this video. I've shared it with a bunch of people. And I think this perfectly encapsulates the perspective people should have during the whole COVID-19 coronavirus 
fiasco that we find ourselves in the the middle of. Just real briefly to to steal the punchline, it is to do what you can, take care of yourself, and be better than you were before. You know, come back, come back in a in a better position. And there's certain things that you have to do to make that happen. And I just love the analogy of the spaceship that CGP Gray used in that video. I think it's something that everybody can relate to. Yeah, we definitely sometimes feel like we're blasted out to space right now. But uh, and and it was just so on point with the stuff we talk about on the Focus podcast. You know, make room to do your different things, keep your things separate, and when you work on one thing, just work on that thing. Thought it was really good. Speaking of working on just one thing at a time, though, uh, Dave, I want to talk about uh, all the stuff you're doing uh, before we kind of get into nitty gritty. Just for the listeners, you've got the Homework Podcast, which. Um, has, I think, the longest hiatus of any podcast I've ever listened to. <laughs> yeah, uh, we went four years in between episode 219 and 220. Yeah, well, hey, you know, suddenly you felt a need, right? <laughs> right. That need just sort of crept up on me, and I said, I think it's time to finally get 220 in the can. Yeah, but so this is a, a podcast not just about you know, people who work for themselves, but just people who work at home, and that seems to be a lot of us these days, so... Uh, I highly recommend that one and, and recently rebooted. Very good. And then you've also got another one, which I think is kind of uh, appropriate for the time, the reboot game lab. Can you explain that a little mm-hmm. bit? Yeah, that's, um, that's a little side gig I've got going on. It was maybe two years ago that a friend of mine and I were having a conversation. This is one of the guys I typically play games with. Um, I'm talking about tabletop games, not necessarily video games. I've been getting together with the same group of guys for, oh my gosh, about 10 years now. Um, once or twice a week, we just get together and play games. And we were talking one night and said, boy, I've always dreamed about having a game board game cafe. And he said, boy, I have too. So we just said, let's try to do this insane thing. And we decided to give it a shot. Um, we took we found a business accelerator out here on Cape Cod, um, applied and were accepted and did the 12-week course. And then there's another four, six months worth of support. And it was great. Um, we knew games. We didn't know business. And this course was tremendously helpful to, for you know, the fill in what we didn't know. We sort of grew our audience. We learned quickly that... Um, the cafe just isn't in the cards because the startup cost was way too high. So we started doing just in-person game clubs. That was going very, very well. And then all of this happened. And I had to sort of pivot on a dime to um, switch to an online model, which has been working as well. So, yeah, that's my that's my side gig that, uh, that occupies a good amount of my time. It just seems like um, online tabletop gaming makes so much sense. I mean, I'm yeah. not talking about just in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, we were talking before we started recording. There's a, I want to play an online game or I want to play a tabletop game, but there's just not enough nerds close enough to me to make it happen. Mm. And uh, honestly, getting me past the front door takes such a threshold that, <laughs> you know, even though I want to do this, I'm not sure I would do it if the guy, like if there's a guy a block away that said, if you just come to my house, we'll do it. So uh, you may have something there, Dave. I think so. Um, right now, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us, all of us are home all the time. And we're, you know, pretty much looking at the same people, which is great. And if you are in a situation where, you know, you want to see others, um, it's pretty much impossible right now where not only are we online playing games together, but we can see each other and we can joke and laugh and have a good time and play a game together. And yeah, I think it's it's filling 
um, at least a need that I've identified that uh, a lot of people are experiencing. Good for you. And your dad, your husband. I am a dad. Leader, all that <laughs> yes. stuff. You're a busy guy. I, I, I follow you enough on social media to know that there's not a lot of downtime in the Kalo house. There's not a whole heck of a lot. No, we don't have an abundance of downtime. So, Dave, what does the word focus mean to you? Yeah, um, it's funny. I try to think, I guess my working definition of focus is to have a clear understanding or definition of what you happen to be doing. You know, do what you're doing. Um, so earlier you talked about, um, you know, doing the one thing that you're working on. That's something that I work on all the time. But for me, I guess focus is having a clear definition of what you're doing and just do that thing for X amount of time. How do you maintain that focus with doing everything online? Obviously, there's the ability to be contacted by a bunch of different people, a bunch of different ways. And it's, I imagine, harder to control that, that portal now than it, it was a few months ago when you had specific places maybe that you could associate with specific right. tasks. How do you manage the, uh, the transitions and maintaining your focus on the, the thing that you want to be doing at any given point? Yeah, it, it's really difficult. And it, this is, that's always been especially difficult for me. I'll have to admit, um, there's, a, there's a few things I do. One of the best pieces of focus advice I ever got came from Dave, and it was turn off your email notifications. You don't want that thing dinging all day because it's like a toddler tugging on your pant leg saying, pay attention to me, look at me. I really don't have anything on my Mac that dings. I, I've silenced notification center and sort of keep it that way. My phone will, um, but when I'm at my desk, my phone is on another desk, so it doesn't bother me. Um, it's just my mind and attention tend to wander. Like for me, um, it's best to identify what I mean to be working on ahead of time. And this is really the biggest thing for me. I never want to sit down at my desk and think, okay, what should I do? <laughs> because my mind will say, okay, here's a list of three dozen things <laughs> you should be working on right now. So what's helped me the most with that is something I learned from Sean Blanc. I believe he called it the note. Um, I'm sure your readers know about this, but when I wrap up my work for the day, and we can talk about setting office hours when you're working from home, I physically write down on a little three by five index card to three or four absolute must do tasks that have to happen tomorrow or the next day. So then when I do sit at my desk in the morning, I know precisely what I should be working on and I don't have to struggle with the question of, okay, where should my focus be? What should I be doing right now? Because I provided myself the answer last night. I like to think of it as doing future Dave a favor. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I can tell you, cause I just had a conversation with Sean that he still does that, it maybe has shifted a little bit, where uh, now, instead of a couple of tasks to be done tomorrow, he writes down his writing prompt. And oh, nice. uh, when he sits down to, to write at 6 a.m., he already knows what he's going to write about. And I remember when he told me that, that I thought that was that is just genius, because that's the thing that everybody who wants to get up early and write before their, their kids get up and all the distractions come, you know, that they have that vision. That's what they want to do. But then they get up early. They're motivated, they sit down, they stare at that blank cursor, and they're like, now what? <laughs> yeah. So you completely eliminate that just by spending a couple minutes at the end of the day. And it's funny because at the end of the day, you, that stuff comes to you. It's clear what you need to do then. But then at the beginning of the day, that's the kind of thing that can you can sit and think about that for an hour and still feel like you don't know where to start. 
yeah, let me ramp up into that mode. Whereas at the end of the day, you're still in it. You can think, okay, let me take five minutes to jot down what has to happen tomorrow while I'm still in this mode, jot it down, and then I can sort of close the door and walk away. Yeah, I'm a strong believer in kind of thinking of yourself as wearing your manager hat versus your worker hat and Mm. really keeping those separate. Like the manager is the one who at the end of the day plans what you're going to do the next day, but the worker is the one that comes in and just follows orders. Because yes. uh, the worker me, even though manager me made a good plan, if I let worker me decide what I'm going to do in the morning, he's a jerk, man. He doesn't he doesn't <laughs> do it right at all. And you know yeah, that, that guy needs oversight. He does desperately. So it, <laughs> it, it, it's just a little fiction in my brain, but it, it works. You know, it's like, oh wait a second, the manager made this up. I need to do this, and um, and I think there's there's really something to be said for doing it at the end of the day. I know every time we talk about this on the show, I hear from some some audience members that say, no, I prefer to do that in the morning. But man, mm. it doesn't work for me that way. If, if I wait until the morning to pick, I'm going to make bad decisions if I make decisions at all. Exactly. That's the thing that's amazing to me. It's like the manager works longer and gets up later. So the worker is sitting there at 6 a.m. ready to write and the manager hasn't decided what the path forward is and the worker can't figure it out for themselves. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely true. So you're doing, so you're, you've got that practice. You, you write something down the night before. Do you write it down on a fancy notepad or put it on your computer? How do, where do you document your obligation? Well, I really do this particular practice as basic as possible. I, many, many years ago, I adopted the practice of just having a stack of three by five index cards on my desk. And um, when something comes in, you know, it could be an, an email or a thought or a conversation or the end of a phone call. And at the end of whatever that is, there's something that requires action from me. I'll just grab a card and my pencil and jot down, throw it into my little inbox. At the end of the day, I sort of process that. So I always have these index cards here. So at the end of the day, I'll just grab one of the cards. I'll put down my three or four tasks, and I just literally lay it on the keyboard. <laughs> so it's the first thing I see in the morning. It's yeah. pretty low tech, but it works. No, that's great. It's, it's the equivalent of sticking the, uh, the box you have to take with you in front of the door. Yeah, right. I can't not see it. You cannot type without hitting this piece of paper with this task on it. (laughs) Right. Okay, so I have a question about that. This is later on in the outline, but I'm curious. You know, you have your note on your keyboard, and I also know you've gotten into bullet journaling. I'm exploring some stuff with the bullet journal right now. And from my understanding of the bullet journal method, if you're really full on hashtag Bujo, Mm. that's really where everything lives. So. How do you strike that balance then between what's on the note card and what's in the, the bullet journal? Mm-hmm. Um, the bullet journal really has become my, my constant companion. I'm about to completely fill up my first one. I'm almost at the end. So all my projects and everything live in here. And I don't, I mean, I can go deep on the method, but <laughs> I probably don't want me to. But you can have, you know, a collection, which is basically a project, and then your to do's, your I forget what it's called, the daily task manager or whatever, Um, whereas what you're going to do for the day. Um, So I'll just quickly review that at the end of the day, and then I see what needs to be done, and then I'll just jot down on my little card. And then when the next day comes, um, the first thing I always do is put uh, the date, the day, and then I start writing down what needs to be done on the page. But still, if I've noticed this behavior in myself, if I open my journal... No, I do have, you know, the white bookmark is the current day. 
but I still just like to flip a little bit. <laughs> and then I notice, mm-hmm. okay, you're flipping and not working. So just to combat that, I have those initial tasks on the card outside. Now grab it. Okay, great. Yes, I need to do that. The Haley project is the first thing I need to work on. And I'll grab the book, go to the Haley project and begin. So it's just a, it's just a, a defensive practice against myself <laughs> because I know I'll start flipping through it and how uh, that helps. I like that. So when you're capturing things, your, your daily log, I think, is what yeah, the daily log, that's it. phrases it. So, okay, so you have your, your page for today. You're capturing everything in your daily log. And then at the end of the day, as you're determining, I'm going to bump this forward, the things that are tomorrow just go in the note card. And then stuff that's more long term, I assume that ends up in a monthly log or a collection or something uh, down the road. But then the, the card is what you see. That's your trigger. You work off of that in the morning and then that's disposable and you throw it away when you're, you're done. Yep, that goes in the recycle bin and off it, off it goes. I like that. Do you have any kind of ritual? Like if you complete the task, do you tear up the card into very tiny pieces? or? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one thing. Um, as far as the markup in the bullet journal is concerned, um, it's recommended that you know, a little dot means a task. A dash means information that doesn't require action and so on. And so the book recommends you put a little X through the dot, but for me that is not nearly as satisfying as drawing a line through the entire text. <laughs> so yep. I, I do that, which is much more fun. I have to say, though, I, I feel like bullet journaling, people make the same mistake with bullet journaling that they do with getting things done is they treat mm. it like a dogma. And I really think mm. to get the most out of bullet journaling, the bullet journal method, we're talking about the writer Carroll's book, which is an excellent book, by the way, mm. um, or, or, you know, David Allen's getting things done. You treat it as a starting point instead of an ending point, And then you can kind of make it work for you. I, I really think that's the key to all of this. Yes, that's absolutely true. I mean, I know lots of people who swear by both, but I don't think I know anyone who does either pure everyone has their own little adaptation or twist or different approach. And the system that you should adopt is the system that's going to work. This is a system that's going to allow you to be focused and productive. And if tweaking your bullet journal to be A, B, or C, or adopting this aspect of GTD and sort of ignoring or adapting, adapting this aspect, if that's going to work, um, then please, that's what you should be doing. So have you done anything else that other than the note card that's kind of like a, a deviation from the method that has really helped it click for you? Yeah. Um, I remember like David, you mentioned um, David Allen's getting things done and early. And one of the things he says is to have as few, I forget the actual phrase is, but as like the fewest number of inboxes you can get away with. Right now, my bullet journal is a big A4 size journal. So I can't carry this around all day. It's a gigantic thing. So I do have a little, pocket notebook that I keep with me and I'll just jot in stuff in there. I mean, this couldn't be more basic. I don't follow any nomenclature. I just write inbox and underline it and just scribble in anything that happens. And um, at the end of the day, I'll transfer that as well. There's a lot of transferring, um, but I'm a kind of person who enjoys writing with pen and paper. So I don't mind. I know there are a lot of people who are cringing. Why is he writing it down three times? I hear you. I get it. (laughs) I just happen to like it. And I also find that I retain information better if I write it down sometimes once or twice. And so I guess I've 
adopted this routine of excessive writing. Like I don't, I sh- most people wouldn't write things down three times. I'm not talking about I'm writing five paragraphs down three times. It might be one or two sentences. But for me, it helps really reinforce that I need to remember this thing or what that information was. So I guess that's an adaptation I've adopted that based out of my own observations of my own needs, how things work best for me. That's kind of the point of the system, though, is that every time that you have to rewrite things, it forces you to make a decision about whether this thing is worth keeping. So I think the fact that you're doing that on a more consistent basis is not a bad thing. It just forces you to slow down and really think about the things that you are actually trying to accomplish. Is that kind of the effect that you've noticed it having? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm more aware of, like you said, what I need to accomplish, and I think I'm better at recalling information when my journal isn't here or not available to me immediately. This episode of Focused is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Do you have a website? While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if that website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click your buy now button to buy your product or to access your content? You could stumble across the problem by dumb luck, but that's not any good. You need a system to alert you when things go wrong. You need something to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your site and even more importantly, when it's not so you can fix it. You need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every single month. That's more than 400,000 outages every single day. Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites that you love online. In fact, it doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you still need alerts about any critical website issues. So Pingdom will let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting your user's experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is a URL that you want to monitor, and they will take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code FOCUSED, F-O-C-U-S-E-D at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM and use the code FOCUSED at checkout to get 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of FOCUSED and all of RelayFM. I did an experiment, you know, I'm always doing little experiments and and time tracking. One of them was looking at how much time I was spending goofing off with a daily journal and how much time I was spending uh, goofing off with uh, OmniFocus. Because I do Mm. both. I have duplication as well. I have a digital task system that has everything. And then the stuff that I write down in the journal is really kind of my very short list for the day, every day. Mm -hmm. And it is a trivial amount of time. I mean, it is like less than 30 minutes a day doing all of that on both ends of the day. It's just not that much time. Uh, I, I blow copious amounts of times on far dumber things than writing down <laughs> and tracking. And and that was my big takeaway from that. If you're listening to this and you think, oh, I don't have time for all this, you'd be surprised how little time it takes and how much more you get done. So on that on that topic, how much time do you think it takes you to capture all the things and transfer all the things and write out your note card? Is it pretty consistent with what David was just sharing, like 30 minutes a day, or is it significantly more, but it's worth it? Oh, I don't think it's significantly more. At this point, 
it's just second nature for me to grab a pen and jot something down. I guess my biggest problem is making sure it's neat enough that I can understand it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But I don't think I'm spending an inordinate amount of time um, capturing what I need to capture and then processing that. So are you saying that your bullet journal pages are not the fancy ones we'll find on Pinterest? No, they are not. I do not have the slightest lick of artistic ability. Um, I just sort of have text on a page. Now, I'm sure that some of your listeners are aware that there are many um, Instagram pages and so on dedicated to gorgeous-looking bullet journals, people who really treat them as a piece of art. Um, I'm not going to poo-poo that because if you get pleasure out of it and you enjoy it and you're able to be productive in that way, then break your leg, have a great time. I wish I could draw. I would if I could, but I can't. So mine is basically just text. Um, so I guess that's what I'll say about that. I, I got to just kind of weigh in on that a little bit. I do think that a, the, a problem with that is that people see those and I think they they stop at the entry point. You know, if you say, well, you know, I, the, you know, the gang at Focus is talking about bullet journaling and maybe I should try that. And they go on YouTube or they do an, you know, Google images search for bullet journal pages. And the very first things you see are literally works of art that yeah. take much more than 30 minutes a day to manage and, and draw. And I think it, I think for a lot of people that may be the gating issue. They don't even try because they're like, oh, well, I can't do it then, you know. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. And I hope that I hope that there aren't people who are dissuaded by that initial search, although I suspect you're right in that there probably are, and they're probably a great number. Um, so I'll say to your listeners, uh, don't worry about that. Um, as long as it's working for you and you enjoy using it, then have a great time and adopt it. Yeah, that I was definitely one of those people who got dissuaded by the stuff that I saw when I first started looking at the bullet journal, even Ryder Carroll's videos where it's just the basic stuff. I was like, my stuff's not going to be that neat. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> yeah, well, but, mine uh, definitely isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun. And uh, a couple of things that have kind of made it stick for me are some of the the custom stuff. Like I have a page where I'm tracking my habits for the month. And it's got a list oh, yeah. of my habits and I make an X for each day that I follow through and, and do the habit. And he would call that a, a custom collection. But those types of things that really make the bullet journal more personal, those are the things that really have helped it to stick for me so far. Uh, this last time that I've I've kind of re- <laughs> rethought how I'm using this. Do you have any uh, custom collections like that that are that are uh, that you rely on? Or is it pretty much just the tasks and the things that you have to do? It's pretty much tasks. But I can tell you what really makes the bullet journal sing for me. And that is the index. Um, when you start a journal, um, and you can use, you can buy a fancy journal, you can use a 99 cent spiral bound from the drugstore. It really doesn't matter. But the most important element and the thing that really sealed the deal for me is the index. So when you get a journal, you're supposed to number each page in the bottom, or you can buy one that's pre numbered if you want to save yourself some time. And as you re- enter things in the book, maybe a collection about Project X or your daily log for this day, or whatever it might be, you note in the front of the book what page that starts on. And so it takes so much of the guesswork out of, boy, how many pages should I set aside for this project? How many pages should I allocate to this collection? Ooh, I guessed wrong. Now the pages aren't in order. There's pages in the middle. That whole thing is gone. So if I want to start a project for the Haley project on page 123, then I want to spend four pages doodling unicorns. And then I want to 
have a brainstorming session, then I want to draw a mind map, and then I want to do another page of the Haley Project, it doesn't matter because in the front of the book, I'll write Haley Project starts on 110, and then I'll put a comma, and it picks back up on 123. And then when I flip to page 110, in the little bottom where it says 110, I'll put a 123 next to it. Then I'll flip to 123 and put a 110 next to it. So it makes reference and finding information so very quick. And it also gives you that freedom to not treat it like a precious thing where you have to ooh, have to save seven pages. You can do whatever you want because it's so easy to find whatever you're after. For me, that's what really makes a bullet journal appealing. So I have to I have to ask this question then, because you mentioned that uh, it makes it easy to find the information that you're looking for. Mm. And uh, I've been listening to the Rebooted Homework podcast, and uh, you also talked about a use of Notion. So yeah, how does that fit in here? Because that's kind of like an information database. Obviously, you can kind of hack Notion to make it anything that you want. It could be your task manager, but obviously it's not since you're using the bullet journal. How are you using those side by side? Notion is really interesting for everyone. Anyone who hasn't checked it out, it's a very malleable. Um, gosh, I, I don't even know if Project Manner is accurate. It can be all sorts of things. It can be a wiki, it can be a repository for information, it can be a collaborative workspace. So when Harry and I were first talking about rebooting homework, he said, hey, I'm into this app called Notion. Let's use it to organize the show. And I hadn't heard of it. and said, okay, great, let's do it. So right now we use it for um, show outlines, show notes, and you know, relevant information. And boy, I'm really liking it. I haven't brought it into my personal life yet. I'm just sort of have it compartmentalized as the homework solution. But in playing with it, I see how how appealing it can be. It's platform agnostic. You can run it in a browser. Uh, it works on your mobile device just as well. And of course, there are apps for just about anything you can think of. It's, it's really, really nice. I haven't, I, I haven't replaced how I do stuff personally with it, but as far as a tool for organizing the show, it's been pretty great. Yeah, if I had to describe it, I'd say it's like the world's friendliest wiki, you know, where you can add your own yeah. tools to it. It's it's a clever app. Yeah, and you can right, you can link pages just like you could in a wiki and jump around real quick and it's it's been fun to use. So if you have an idea for something like a show topic you want to do for for homework, you're mm-hmm. going to capture that your daily log in the bullet journal and then since it's a collaborative project and that's the project that it's associated with, then Notion is where it would ultimately end up. Is that an accurate description of the workflow there? Yeah, that's pretty accurate because Harry and I sort of trade off um, who's editing for the week. And if you're not editing, you're doing the show notes to sort of go back and forth. So we wanted a like a ubiquitous collaborative space for the show notes to live. And at first we thought of Google Docs, but then it said, eh, let's try to work notion into this so now that's what we do we just have a a notes page where there's one for each episode and whoever's turn it is to do show notes will just hop in there and do it sure i I do think it's important and the reason i asked that question is i I think it's a distinction worth making that you have a single point where everything starts for you that's the inbox note in your little Mm -hmm. notebook that you're carrying with you the minute that you try to have all these different inboxes for the, the different ideas when you have them is the the moment that you stop capturing the ideas as you have them. 
Yeah, and that becomes a processing issue too, right? Because when you sit down at the end of the day to go through all your inbox, put things where they belong, and then you know get ready for the next day. If you have two places to look, if you have three, if you have four, if you have more than that, it becomes a real hassle. So use as many inboxes that are going to work, but not so much that you're just creating additional work for yourself. Yeah. So Dave, let's talk a little bit about homework. You, um, you, you made the show years ago. Uh, yeah, I guess you were yep. ahead of your time. Uh, it's out <laughs> now, but you've been really talking and writing about working from home for a long time. What are some of the biggest problems that you hear people facing and, and what's the best way to solve them? Probably the number one issue we have is how do you separate home from work and work from home? Um, because when your office, for lack of a better term, is somewhere in your house, it becomes so tempting to stroll by and say, oh, I'm just going to check email real quick. Or I'm just going to give that project a 10-minute look. And a 10-minute look becomes a 40-minute look. And your Saturday becomes less of your personal Saturday. So I guess my biggest piece of information is establish a work location. If you have a room with a door, excellent. Um, if you don't, find any corner of the house or any location that can be your work area. And there's a couple things you should do at that point. Have a conversation with the other humans you live with and say, look, I'm working from home now, um, but when I'm working, I am at work. and I'm going to behave in that way. So when you see me over in that spot, just pretend I'm at the office. Um, if I come out for lunch, great, we can have a conversation. But when I go back into work, um, I'm at work. So this does a few things. It um, conveys to the other people you live with that you're sort of serious about the work you do and sort of generates that respect back and forth. But it also sets up like a, uh, what am I trying to say, like a mindset for yourself. Like if you always um, perform a certain behavior in a certain location, just being in that location will... Um, prompt is a cue for the behavior. Like if you put your workout clothes on, you feel like working out. If you sit down at the desk that you reserve for work time, you're going to feel your brain's going to say, oh, we're in work mode now. So I guess establishing a work location is probably the thing I get asked about the most and what I would recommend everyone does. Yeah. I literally just dealt with this today because of the pandemic. My, uh, my studio has moved down to a more common area in the house because my kids mm. are coming back home. And this morning I was working and my wife came and asked me very nicely two questions, two different times. And it really got to me. It like really got me under my skin, you know, cause I was right mm. in the middle of working on something and she says, where's the checkbook? Perfectly rational question. But I just wasn't used to someone coming in and interrupting me while I was trying to focus on a client problem. And, uh, and we talked about it, and we have a system now. But, but uh, I think uh, getting yourself isolated is a great idea if you can. And if you can't, you really have to have that conversation. Yeah, you should. Your situation, uh, I don't know uh, all the specifics, but you have a, a, a job that you go to a different location for that you are now working from home. So how have you kind of set this up for yourself? Yeah, that's been that's been bonkers. Um, I have a day job that requires me. Well, in in the before times, I had a day job that required me to really drive from location to location all day. I spend most of the time in the car, visiting different sites and having conversations and going to the next site. So you can see how weird it is to be trying to do that from home. So right now, my day job has turned into incessant Zoom meetings 
and other virtual meetings like that. And it all happens at the same desk. So you're right. It has been this little mental change where, okay, I'm done with the day job. Now I'm going to sit down and work on uh, Ruby Game Lab, or I'm going to work on the podcast. And this might sound silly, but I'll actually get up when my day job is done, walk around, maybe go in the yard, water the flowers for a few minutes, and then come back at the desk. And I'm sort of, that allows me to switch gears into the next thing. Um, Because I feel like I'm mentally closing the door on job A, and that gives me a chance to sort of prepare myself to work on the next thing. But yeah, it is weird when my day job um, suddenly moved into my home, or I've really always had that as being exterior and very much elsewhere. When I come home, I would just not think about it. But now I am, and I think that's where a lot of people are. You suddenly, you know, you didn't choose the work-from-home life. You had it sort of thrust upon you. So how do we deal with that? Yeah, I think those transitions are really important. And the thing that's kind of surprised me during this time, because I do have an office at home with a door that I can close. So I have a physical space that I can leave, Mm. but that's never been good enough for me. I still find myself, if I don't transition mentally, I'm still thinking about the project I was working on or the emails I'm supposed to reply to. And I can get so focused and consumed with that, that like I don't see or hear anything else, (laughs) (laughs) which is obviously a a problem. So there's a lot of ways that this transition can, uh, can happen, but I think that's a a great tip and a, a, is is to just go do something else. Even if you come back to the same place to do something different, you know, changing your state that can help you mentally make the switch from one thing to the next. Something has nothing to do with anything. That's why I'll water the flowers or pet the dog or whatever it is. I, I think that's great advice. Also, I would recommend that if you're doing all of this on the same technology, if you're doing it at the same computer, look into ways to change the computer setup for different states. Like I, use um keyboard maestro on the mac where i push a button and my computer reconfigures itself for max sparky screencasting versus legal contract writing and Hmm. and it changes everything i mean the background changes the apps change and it's just a different it's like sitting at a different computer and i find that very useful as well in terms of getting my brain from one mode to the other Hmm, that's a great idea um the the other uh, tip i would offer is you know really control those notifications we talked about it earlier in the show i feel like when you've got different states you don't want once you get into one headspace you don't want the other headspace invading and it's very yes. easy with computers and notifications to get drugged back into something yeah and i've read it can take what like 5 10 15 minutes to get back on track if you're distracted so think if you're working on gig a and then you see two notifications in a row about gig b well, try as you might, your mind is going to wander towards gig B. And perhaps it might be a struggle not to act upon it. And so you've got to resist that urge, plus you've got to get back to where you were. And you know, if that happens once a day, it's okay. But if it happens 10, you know, 10 times a day, now you've lost you know, a lot of productive billable hours. This episode of Focused is brought to you by Blinkist. Read 3,000 plus books in 15 minutes or fewer. Start your seven-day free trial. Just go to Blinkist.com slash Focused. If you want to get focused, this one is for you. Because I want to tell you all about my secret weapon for learning new things and getting ahead. And that's with Blinkist. It can be hard to find time to read. 
When you're super busy, it's hard to work on personal development. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways and need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them into just 15 minutes for you to read or listen to. Successful people are known for reading a lot of books, and with Blinkist you can finish a book during your commute, lunch break, or even while you do the dishes. I'm a Blinkist subscriber, and I'm a believer. There are so many great nonfiction books that I want to read, but I can just never make time for. With Blinkist, I can get that key information out of them. My favorite way to consume Blinkist books are when I take walks. I love the way Blinkist gives you the books both in audio style and you can read it. So I can listen to the book the first time. It takes just 15 minutes. And then when I get back to my desk, I can read it one more time and write down some key takeaways. If you want to give Blinkist a try, why not find out how great leaders inspire action with Simon Sinek's Start With Why? Or you can learn about successful nations recovering from trauma. Check out Upheaval, Turning Points for Nations in Crisis by Jared Diamond. I finished that one a few weeks ago. It was excellent. And Blinkist covers many of the titles we've talked about on the show, like Atomic Habits. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. That's all the books you want, all for one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for the focused audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash focused and try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash focused to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash focused. Our thanks again to Blinkist for their support of the Focus podcast and all of Relay FM. Dave, I'd like to continue on something you mentioned earlier, and that is just that dividing line. We've talked plenty already about, you know, finding space and finding the ideal way to get your work done when you're working from home. But what about not getting your work done when you work from home? You know, avoiding that trap of working 24-7. Yeah, that's that's the real trick, isn't it? I mean, it's easy. I guess it's easier to be productive and get stuff done than to sort of say, okay, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's tricky. Uh, for me, it takes a lot of, well, initially it took a lot of willpower. Well, I'll tell you, when I started working at home, it was probably 2009. And this is when my kids were very, very young. And so I dealt with, and perhaps some of the, your listeners did as well, that sort of that double-edged guilt, right? So if I'm dealing with the kids or playing with the kids, <laughs> not dealing with them, that sounds cruel. If I was playing with the kids, I'd feel guilty. Oh, boy, I should be working. And if I was working, I think, oh, I'm being a neglectful father. I should go play with the kids. Um, and so for me, what com- did was the most effective way to combat that was routine, so I would say, okay, from this time to this time, I'm working. And from this time to this time, I'm not. And it took a while to find a routine that's going to work and fit. You're going to have to do a little tweaks here and there. But once you get it down, it just becomes a part of your day. And so you would know, well, I'm in a work block. And as soon as I'm done, I have all this time free to hang out with the kids. And then later, the kids and I are having a great time. And it's okay because my work block was so productive. So for me, it's just... The adherence to a routine, a proven routine, that helps combat that most effectively. Yeah, I, I'm just such a fan of time blocking. And, um, you know, it just makes such a difference because uh, I think that's giving your brain permission to focus on one thing at a time when you know that 
you know, the parenting block is still on the schedule. Right. It's going to happen. So don't worry about it. It's all set. The other thing that uh, I've noticed from my own time blocking practice is in addition to carving out the time for the things to happen on your day, if you are conservative with your time blocks, you also end up with some buffer time. Now, it took me a lot of trial and error to get to that point, but basically I just overestimate in one hour chunks how long things are going to take. And what that does is it gives me little pockets of 10, 15 minutes here and there, which lately has meant that if I have 15 minutes before my next thing, I can take the dog for a walk or if the kids are around, which they are now all the time, we can play ping pong or <laughs> go shoot hoops or, or whatever. And uh, I've been having a lot of fun just taking advantage of those little blocks of time to create the the memories. And uh, I want to call that out because I think that if you're not careful, you can easily miss those if you're just sticking to a schedule. Oh, man, you're not kidding. I mean, childhood is a window that closes at 18, right? And then at that point, the person's still your child, but your relationship changes significantly. I mean, my kids are 15 and 17. That window is almost shut. And I want to make as much as I can. And also, just I love that you're building this buffer in. Not only does it give you these little pockets that you can sort of spend as a break, but if something goes over, it's not that big a deal. Like, ooh, that call took half an hour more than I thought it would. Good thing I built two extra blocks of 15 minutes in. Yeah, well, I just think in general, the, one of the biggest mistakes you make with time blocking is underestimating how long things take. And then you're just changing one type of pressure, unreasonable pressure for another. Um, mm -hmm. Rather than say, I'm going to do six things today and they're all going to take an hour, except that, no, I'm going to get three things done, but I'm actually going to get them done. And you'd just be amazed how much better you feel at the end of the day. Because if you block for six things and you only get three things done, you feel terrible, even though that was the realistic plan. And that kind of gets back to the manager and the worker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how significantly my mood can be affected by how productive a day was. If I feel I wasted a day or didn't get nearly done what I wanted, boy, I'm in a bad mood. And the opposite is true, too. If I really killed it, boy, I just feel great. And it's so arbitrary. I mean, so often right. we wake up and we give ourselves these unreasonable goals for the day, you know, and you're just not going to get all that work done. So you need to take a reality pill real early. And then <laughs> in, in both circumstances, you know, whether you you scheduled for three and you got three done or whether you scheduled for six and you got three done, you got the exact same amount of work done. Right, right. And how you feel about the work that you got done is completely determined by your plan for the day and how much you attempted to to complete that's the amazing thing to me like you could if you had three things on the list and you got all three things then you feel great if you had six things on the list and you got those three things done then you feel terrible and <laughs> the actual work that you completed doesn't change at all it's exactly the same yeah and right. it's not even just the judgment at the end of the day it's the ongoing judgment throughout the day because when yeah, you have the six exactly. things planned you get to the end of the first hour and you're like oh brother i'm already behind you know and um that is something that is that is a second arrow yeah, oh man, this day is a wash. That's just the worst. So in addition to the uh, the the work and the productivity stuff, uh, you also have an interest in games. Uh, we talked a little bit about your Reboot Game Lab project. I want to know more about the story there. But even before we get there, I guess, what role does fun and games have in your work life? 
and, and not just this is a, a business that I'm I'm running, but do you use it kind of as a reset? To does it recharge your batteries? And so you try to do it so often. What sort of things do you do you do? That sort of thing. Yeah, it absolutely recharges my batteries without a doubt. Um, like I said, I've been playing games probably twice a week with the same group of folks for a decade or more. And it's something I just look forward to so very, very much. It could be as relaxing or unwinding or escapist or petty and thoughtful as you want it to be. Like um, we play silly games that you can, you know, bang out in a minute. And we play these like brain burning Euro games that you have to concentrate for three hours or you're going to lose spectacularly. And all of those things are really fun. Like I like solving puzzles, whether it be work or in life or this in this aspect of game. Um, I think it really does amp up con- my concentration and really allows me to unwind at the end of the day. So how often do you play games and what sort of games do you typically play? Do you play board games with your family? Do you do big group games? Do you just enjoy strategy puzzle type games that you can play by yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All <of> the above. <laughs> this is really my, my main hobby, honestly. Um, so we play with my family, we'll play little fun, silly games like party games or the kind of game where everyone's just sort of like laughing and having a good time. Um, with my friends, we'll play more games that take a lot of time. It's not a concentration of puzzle games. We play a lot of role playing games like Dungeons and Dragons and that type of thing. Um, if you want a nice, fun escape into the land of make-believe, that's a great way to do it. Um, yeah, it's uh, a big part of my life. It's something I I truly love. It's something that my family has gotten into recently, and I heard this somewhere. I don't remember where I heard it originally, but I heard somebody say that games really have an effect of bringing people together and, and building relationships, because when you play games, everybody's playing by the same set of rules. And if you're playing with kids, they can learn a lot of lessons like how do you react when you don't win mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, I, I have found that by playing games together, it's uh, it's been a, a really fun thing that we've tried to build into our our daily routine now as we're, we're home all the time. We'll put the the little kids to to bed and then the, the older ones will we'll play a, usually a board game. The latest one has been King of Tokyo, the, the Dark Edition, which just came out. As we oh yeah, that's this. a fun one. That game has big chunky dice. I love big chunky dice. It does. It, it's a it's a beautiful game. Uh, what other sorts of games would you recommend for people who are just interested in getting into this sort of thing for the for the purpose of something fun that they can do with the the people that are are close to them? Well, if you want to play in person games, um, there's all sorts of really fun um, fun ones. I'll just throw out a couple of quickies. There's um, well, you mentioned. King of Tokyo, that's a great one. Um, if you want to pretend to be a sci-fi monster destroying Tokyo. Um, there's another great game that I love that's super quick to learn called Sushi Go, where it's sort of a like a, a set-building game, like Gin Rummy, but instead of you know regular playing cards, you're building little sushi. So you're building this little dish, this little dish. The idea is you're at one of those conveyor belt restaurants and you're grabbing sushi off the little conveyor belt and try to set up little mat, little sets. Um, you can learn it in five seconds, and every time it's a little bit different, and it's, again, super fun. Everyone's going to laugh and have a great time. If you want to play online, there's a lot of great solutions. Um, 
the Jackbox games, uh, which are available on Steam and I think every other platform, are really funny, silly um, uh, party games where you can play online. One person is holding a meeting, share their screen. Then your game piece becomes your phone. So anyone anywhere in the world can log on and enter the little room code, and now you're playing like Pictionary together, and everyone's drawing on their phone, and it ends up on the screen. Um, I've done this with my family, my extended family, several times, and it's a really nice way to hang out, have fun, and uh, laugh together. I, I would add one more category of game that we play in my house that everybody really enjoys. It's um, They're cooperative games, and um, mm. Forbidden Desert and Forbidden Island are the two that we play and their survival is a cooperative survival game, you know, forbidden desert, you crash in the desert and each one of you has a different specialty area of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then you, you actually succeed as a group or you all die, you know, and it's, it's really, uh, you know, it sounds weird, but it's, it's really fun to like have everybody banding together instead of trying to destroy each other all the time. Yes, that's exactly right. You're not trying to beat each other. You're trying to beat the game. That's a, those are two great games. Yeah, another one in that category is Pandemic, although that one hits a little bit too close to home. Too close now. to home these days, <laughs> yeah. but it is a good game. What about, um, Dave, let's talk for folks that are um, that want to go online and, and do some of the stuff you're doing with your online game service. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that suddenly have extra time on their hands and mm-hmm. may be interested in, in some of the services you guys have. Yeah, so right now I'm doing online online game clubs for kids and adults. So right now I'm running three Dungeons and Dragons groups for kids. Um, I have what I call the Young Adventurers, who are the 7 to 10 set. The Noble Warriors are 11 to 13, and the Brave Knights are 14 years and up. Um, We use a combination of... um, Google Hangouts and Roll20. Uh, for those who don't know, Roll20 is a website that was specifically designed so people could play role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons online. You get to see the little map and the little tokens and move things around and the fight monsters and stuff, and it's really great. For the adults, we play strictly in Discord. So I have a Discord server and um, I've made little rooms. We get together once a week and just play through the scenario. And it's um, yeah, it's a whole lot of fun. This episode of Focused is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next big idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to start a blog or even a podcast. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do any of those things with nothing to install, no patches for you to worry about, and no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered for you. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you do need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name that fits your idea. And all of those award-winning templates that are included with your Squarespace plan are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I recommend Squarespace to people all the time when they come to me looking for some help with web development, and that's because it is the easiest solution out there. I even use it for my personal projects because they make it so easy. I have a web development background, so I can spin up servers and I can maintain plugins. I know how to do all that stuff. But when it came time to launch the Intentional Family podcast that I started recently with my wife, we built it on Squarespace because they just made it so simple. 
And ultimately, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to focus on the creation of the thing, not maintaining the technical side of the site. And Squarespace frees us up to do just that. Squarespace can do the same thing for you with plans starting at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash focused. So you can get started for free. And in fact, I challenge you to do that. Next time you have an idea or you need a website for something, go to Squarespace first and just see how far you can get in a couple of hours. My bet is that you'll get much further than you thought you could. In fact, you might even get it done. And that's the beauty of Squarespace. Now, when you decide to sign up, you can use the offer code FOCUSED, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the Focused podcast. Now, once again, that is squarespace.com slash FOCUSED, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, and the code FOCUSED to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of FOCUSED and all of FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So what's the story behind Reboot Game Lab? How did you get this idea to host a online online games club? Well, this business has changed quite a bit over the last two years. It was about two years ago that one of the guys I play games with, he and I were sitting around and said, boy, it would be fun to own a board game cafe. You know, these things are popping up all over the place. Um, I live outside of Boston, and we see them here and there, and boy, they're, they're a lot of fun. Uh, much like at a bowling alley where you paid a bowl, at a board game cafe, it's a cafe, but they're going to have a wall of games. And you might pay a small fee to sort of rent the table for a few hours, and they'll bring a game over and teach you how to play, and you can play. And it's, it's great. So we said, oh, well, we want to do that. How do we do that? Well, I don't know. So we found ourselves a small business accelerator out here on the Cape um, called E4All, which you can find at e4all.org. And we applied for their accelerator program, got accepted, and it was just tremendous. They taught us so much about business. That's the information that we didn't have. Um, uh, after our graduation, if you will, we were looking into um, having this happen. And um, to make a long story short, the finances just didn't work out. Um, starting a cafe was much more pricey than we thought it would, especially out here um, on the Cape where it's a very touristy um, destination. So that morphed into we were using different venues to run clubs like libraries or um, community centers, whoever would have us and let us sort of charge people to come and play. And that was going really, really well. We started with three kids um, playing D&D and eventually we had 30. And then all of this happened and like seemingly overnight, I had to switch and make this an online uh, uh, organization and um, was able to do that because of, you know, Google Hangouts and World 20 and um, just sort of shifting off. And that's that's <laughs> the condensed version of how we got to where we are. How has that transition to an online games club been? Do you find that this is kind of the niche and you are filling the need now or has it been more difficult getting people to switch from playing games in person to doing them online it's funny it depends on which group you talk about if you talk about the kids no problem they just want to play the game and they don't care how it happens Uh, with the adults and i include myself in this it's i think it's more fun to just be in person and to be across the table with the person and sharing chips or whatever so the adults are a little less enthused about playing online they still do it but the kids are yep okay let's do this (laughs) they love it what was the hardest part about the transition just as a business owner yeah it was really big because well i mean i worked hard to get all of the venues up and running 
that I had. And you know, there was a lot of meetings and conversations and arrangements and making schedules and to have you know, within a couple of weeks, all of that out the window. And I had to redo and rethink everything. Um, that was a lot of work. And how am I going to have this happen? And it was auditioning pieces of soft, you know, solutions to make it work. Like at first I was having Roll20 host all of our audio and video. And those first sessions were just agony. It was connection errors and kids can't connect and kids are dropping and it's freezing and everyone was frustrated. And after that first weekend, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm doomed. <laughs> like th- this is over. There's nothing I can do. So I decided to offload that aspect of the game to something else, which turned out to be Google Hangouts. And this worked uh, much better. I think the hardest part was just scrambling to find a solution that would allow this to work, especially when like I do six week blocks for the kids. And especially when I've had a lot of parents who had already paid for the whole block and I still had four weeks to go. And I think, Oh my gosh, you know, um, do I have to refund all this money to these kids or what am I going to do? But luckily my parents were very, um, understanding and allowed me to have like a two-week grace period <laughs> at which I was going to scramble and figure out uh, how am I going to make this work. Yeah. And at the same time, you were rebooting the homework podcast. <laughs> yes. And probably there were a lot of questions and problems to be solved with that at the time too. There were. Like we thought, should we just start over and call this episode one or should we um, rebrand entirely? Should we get a new logo? Should we go solo? Should we approach network? And yeah, there was a whole lot of stuff to <laughs> to figure out there as well. Did you think about the fact that you're doing both of these things in tandem when you were doing them? Or did it just seem like this is the right thing to do? I got to figure out a way to make this work. Well, I know I didn't want to let uh, Reboot Game Lab go because I, I mean, I fell in love with this. It's like the side project has become my baby. So I really wanted to work to make it work. And when Harry contacted me about homework, it was funny because like I said, I had just been thinking about it. And I thought, yeah, you know, this might be a useful resource for people today. I, I want to do it. And it seemed nuts <laughs> to take on two big projects at the same time. But I was at the point where I had online game club pretty much figured out. So I felt like, okay, I have the the bandwidth in the space to take on this other project. Plus, you know, doing homework is something I had done for years and years. So it was sort of just getting back on the bike. Like you said, there were some technicalities to figure out initially, but that didn't take too long. I think if the idea came at the same time, I probably would have passed on homework or I would have said, well, let's readdress this in a couple months. But the fact that I felt like I was getting on top of um, Game Lab, that I was able to say yes to the other thing. Because, you know, saying no to one thing is saying yes to another thing. But I, I think I had room to, for two yeses. I, you know, it just seems to me that so much uh, productivity and focus was lost with the original pandemic response with people just trying to wrap their heads around working from home. I mean, I think... I mean, the three people on this call, we've all been doing it for a long time and we've kind of got it figured out, but Mm -hmm. you forget for how many people this was completely foreign. And, um, and I think so much of this, this lost time over the last couple of months is just figuring out how do I do a zoom call or how do, you know, how do I get my email on my home computer? And it just, I, I just can't understate how much time has been spent on stuff like that. Yeah, Harry and I were talking about it the other day, and it's like you went to bed one night, and then the next morning you woke up in rural Japan. 
and, and yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I do think that like, if, if we have to do this again, if there's a second wave or some other problem in the year's future, I think we will never be caught um, as with our pants down as far as they were <laughs> just in mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks, you know? Yeah, I think so too. Dave, what is your, um, what is your focus? Um, you know, wh- where's your hang up? You know, where, you know, what's your kryptonite, your focus kryptonite? I think, uh, <laughs> my focus kryptonite is my monkey brain. It always wants to do yeah. what I'm not doing. You know, it just, it's yeah. like, uh, I don't even know how to say like a, a kid with one of those paddle balls with the balls attached to the rubber band on a wooden paddle, you know? It always wants to just go and go and go and look at a hundred different things. I think that's really my kryptonite is uh, my own uh, brain biology, my brain chemistry. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because we talk about it all the time on the show, and and I'll, I'll talk to listeners once once in a while when I see them at an event or something. They're like, "Man, you're so organized." I'm like, "No, it's just the opposite. My brain is so distractible. That's the reason why I have to block schedule, and the reason that I've come up with all these weird hacks." It's because I don't have a choice. Yes, that's exactly right. I, I have to do all this stuff. It's not, I just, you know, uh, I have some strange affection for the productive focused life. Just, if I didn't do this stuff, I'd, I wouldn't be putting bread in the table. <laughs> I have to do all these things. Are you still meditating? I know you used to. Yeah, um, I still am. Um, that's a part of the routine that I sort of adopted every day. I like to do it first thing in the morning and uh, it's really helpful. I notice if I don't. So yeah, it's something I still do. It's a pretty good test. Yeah. Any other little hacks, tips, tricks, whatever you use to control your monkey brain? I adopted this from the Pomodoro method, which I don't really do anymore, but I did like this one aspect. I'm sure your listeners know it alternates a work block and a break block, right? So the idea was you work for 25 minutes solid, then you get a five-minute break, and then you start again. You do it three times, and on the third time, the break extends to 15 minutes. I really liked having those breaks sort of built in. So when my brain says, hey, check Twitter, or look for a video on YouTube, I can say, well, I've got 20 minutes left in this block, and then you can have five minutes. And that's really helped keep me on track. So, oh, okay. Like I know it's coming. It's like what you were saying earlier, David, with um with your in your work block and you think, oh, I wish I was with the kids. Well, I know that kid block is coming, so it's okay. So that can work on this really like little macro level too, where I'm working and I want to go check Twitter or look at Instagram. I can tell myself, well, we've got 20 minutes left in this work block, and then you'll have permission to do that. And that's that's helped a lot. How do you implement that? Well, um, I used to be as strict as keeping a timer going, but now I'll, you know, just what I, I guess I have an inner sense of how much time has passed and I'll know like, well, I'll, I usually eat lunch between 12 and 1230 and I'll know, well, I'll give myself permission to goof off at that point. And I'll look up at the clock and it's 1040. Okay. Well, I can make it. Um, so that you kind of thing. Ago, I used yeah. to use a timer, but not anymore. Well, Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show. Gang, I recommend you head over to Homework, the Homework Podcast. We'll put it on the um, um, in the show notes so you can go find it. Um, and also, we'll go put ahead and put in a link in for Dave's you know, uh, gaming business, so you can go check out that out, too. One of the nice things, Dave, is that you can get gamers from all over the country now instead of just out on the Cape. So uh, I may be joining your ranks at some point. We're going to have to talk. 
Come on over, Dave. Come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> and um, and thanks for everything you've done for the community over the years. And and this um, this podcast, I think, really scratches the itch. Well, um, if anybody's having trouble getting uh, figuring out how to get their work done at home, this is the one for you. Well, well, thanks. That's nice to say. It's great to talk to you too as well. I haven't spoken to either of you in a while, and um, it's always a pleasure to do so. In addition to your um, to your podcast, is there anywhere else people should look for you, Dave? Um, I do have a Twitter. Uh, it's at David Kalo. That's C A O L O. I tweet over there quite a bit. Um, I have a blog, and every now and then I'll post something, but it's really rare. But that's fifty uh, two tiger dot net. That's numeral five two tiger dot net. All right, we are the Focus Podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash focused. Thank you to our sponsors today. That is our friends at Pingdom, Squarespace, and Blinkist. And we'll see you all in a couple weeks.